Liz Corey. And I'm Katie King. And this is True Crown New England. What's up, everybody? Hello, welcome back to another episode in the new year. The first episode of True Crime New England in 2024. Feels so good to have an even number again. Right? Oh, I love it. So nice. And uh, we just love to be here. We're so, so excited. So ready to just celebrate with you guys as we embark on another year of True Crime New England. Katie, today's episode... Just the title alone tells everyone, everybody knows this story. We had to start off with a huge, big case that everybody knows, a powerful one, and one that recently passed an anniversary. That's right. So we had to cover it, of course, and it's been on our list for a long time. But before we get into it today, as promised that probably no one remembers from our last episode, we have to do a quick swear jar roundup before we get in to the nitty-gritty of this case. For those of you who remember, and for those of you who don't, this last 10-episode stretch, we were saying fuck for the Purple Leash Project, which is a wonderful organization that helps get more shelters equipped and standardized for taking in people and their pets because a lot of people uh, have trouble leaving abusive relationships because of their children but also because they have pets involved and they don't want to leave their pets behind so they don't seek out shelter so this is a great organization and I found it in an ad while I was listening to the last podcast on the left and I just loved it and I'm so glad we were able to swear away and raise some money for them. Yeah, absolutely. So this round was about how all of our, well, most of our other rounds have gone where Liz has more. driven it home and <laughs> yep, had a lot more F words, but it's for a good cause. Absolutely. Making my grandparents proud for sure. <laughs> I had a total of 32 F words equaling $32. And Liz had a total of 45 F-words. Just a ripe 45. For a total of $77 for a wonderful cause, the Purple Leash Project. Yeah, and you know what? I'm okay with it because of the wonderful cause, but also because we were pretty close. Pretty close. That wasn't that far off. No, so I'm okay with it. Hell yeah. I love it. And I... Often we collaborate on the organizations, but this one was one I found, and so I was really excited to do it, and I knew you were going to be okay with that. So I'm really proud of it. Guys, if you have the means or you just want to, you know, please feel free to donate to the Purple Leash Project or, I don't know, give your dog an extra hug tonight because, you know, animals are so important in our lives, and people do stay in really sticky situations for the love of their pets. So mm-hmm. they're big parts of our lives. And, you know, I think this organization is wonderful. And as we normally do, just as we stop and end an organization and a 10-episode stretch, we begin another one. We begin anew. And Katie, yet again, has found a beautiful organization that I absolutely love. Katie, will you tell our listeners about this great charity? I would love to. You know, new year, new swear jar. Yes. New organization based in New England. Of course. And loosely related to true crime. Sure. The organization we will be donating to over the course of our next 10 episodes is called Project Home Again. Nice. They turn houses into homes free of charge for individuals or families in need of assistance with furniture and home decor for any reason. I love it. Most of the people they work with are referred to by social workers because they're leaving a shelter, escaping a domestic violence situation, they're coming here as refugees, their homes flooded or burnt down, they're left with nothing. I came across them on TikTok, actually. It was this video of this huge warehouse and this sweet little woman was narrating and she was describing how she was picking for a woman and her two kids leaving an unsafe domestic violence situation and the social worker that she works with gives her 
favorite colors and like themes and just things to go off of. And so she was picking. She's like, yeah, this little girl, she loves butterflies. Mm. Here's a butterfly comforter and a lamp to match and a pillow sham and like really lovingly, thoughtfully building homes. Yes. And very personalized touches. And she's like, oh, we just got this donation. We're going to go take a look and it would be perfect for this little boy who loves the color green and dinosaurs. Mm -hmm. The organization really makes sure that each person gets things that are going to like to make their space feel like a home. I love that. They're also local and New England based. They're in Andover, Massachusetts, and we love them. We love that it's New England and their mission definitely aligns with things that we've talked about on the podcast. It even aligns with the Purple Leash Project too. Yeah, absolutely. So if you guys are near Andover, Massachusetts, and you are doing some spring cleaning later on or cleaning for the new year, and you're coming across things that are in good condition, only donate things that you would want to receive. Mm. That's my rule. Don't donate shit that's broken or damaged or donate something that you would like to receive. Of course. And if you're near Andover, Massachusetts, there you go. Perfect. And if you would like to donate financially too, of course. Right. And you can do that from wherever you are. Right. But if you're near Andover, you don't have to donate any money at all. Like, you can donate your old stuff that's, you know, like you said, stuff you would want to receive. You don't have to spend a cent, which I think is great. I think that's wonderful. I love I love this organization. As someone who sees a lot of parents with very little, we have people like refugees come in who don't have cribs or car seats and luckily my hospital like we're able to provide cribs and car seats fairly often which is nice but you know the idea of being able to set up a room for a kid who loves dinosaurs or whatever like I love that because it's important to make a space feel like a home and I feel like that's not something that you think of like that's not really something that you take into account like, oh, it's so nice that this family is escaping an unsafe situation and they can go into a home of their own, mm-hmm. but they're going there with nothing. Right. Absolutely. It's such a wonderful organization. Katie, great find. And I'm very excited to be donating to them at the end of this 10 episode stretch. And I hope I uh, can contain myself, but I know I won't. And I hope we get some good money for them. Hell yeah. Absolutely. We also have some bias of coffee shout outs in order. We have coffees from George S. He has bought us two coffees for the past three episodes that we've released before the time of this recording, which is wonderful. Thank you, George. Thanks, George. And Stacy H. bought us six coffees. Thank you so much, Stacy. Thank you, Stacy. That's so generous. That was so kind of you. Thank you so much. That means so much to us. And you guys, you don't have to do that at all. So the fact that you do is just, it's wonderful. So thank you. Today, guys, as you know, as we've already talked about a little bit, we're going to be talking about Ayla Reynolds. And most people who live in Maine at least know this case. In New England, a lot of people know this case. It's a pretty big one. It's really messed up. It's really sketchy. It's really shady. And we've had a lot of people ask us to cover it. A lot of people. So I think it's about time. Yeah, we're starting off in Maine. We had to do a big one to bring us all back. Absolutely. And without further ado, today we will be covering The Disappearance of Ayla Reynolds. Katie, new year, new me. Except for, well, everything. Because I have no resolutions. So... Would you mind giving me your sources for today? You know, I thought you'd never ask. I was getting a little nervous. You know, new year, would we change up the flow? I don't think we can. We can't. We simply cannot. And I'm keeping up with the flow, Mm. starting off strong. Wiki fucking pedia. Wow. You had to do that shit. She had to, guys. It's the new year. (laughs) And it's a big case. So we gotta. As well as News Center Main, CentralMain.com Times 3, WGME.com, The Portland Press Herald, and Unresolved Mysteries Reddit Thread. Nice. I, interestingly enough, also had three articles from CentralMain.com. Oh, right. That's very interesting. I had a Medium article by Colby Echo. 
I used True Crime Daily. I had two unresolved mystery Reddit threads. I used an article from ABC News, and I used The Charlie Project. All right. I just, again, it's one of those ones where you just, you dig, and you find more bits and pieces, and you just go and you Google, and you look more into that part of the story, and you just go deeper and deeper, and it just doesn't stop. Mm-hmm. Because so many people, just like us, are like, what the hell? Like, why is this story a thing? Katie? Would you mind setting the scene for us and telling us about this sweet, sweet little girl? I would love to. Ayla Reynolds was born on April 4th, 2010, to parents Trista Reynolds and Justin DiPietro. They both lived in Maine, with Trista in Portland and Justin in Waterville, although Trista and Justin were not, they weren't together. Mm. It's a surprise pregnancy, let's say. Yeah, kind of unexpected. Trista was excited, you know. Yeah. What we say at my hospital is unplanned but welcome. Perfect. Yeah. Which it seems like was what that was. Trista said that Justin did not want anything to do with Ayla from the beginning. Mm. He denied being the father. He demanded a paternity test. And Trista, she recalls, she was like, I'm looking at this baby and I'm looking at Justin. Pretty similar facial features here. Like... Come on now, what yeah. what paternity test? But Justin got the paternity test, sure enough, you are the father. Right. I see that all the time at my job, all the time. These angry dads who are like, there's no way. Yeah, right. And it's like, guy, just calm down. Like, I know you're in denial. I know you don't want to have responsibilities because you like to do drugs and you like to, you know, like, just mess around with other girls. But like, time to be a big boy. Like, just... Okay. Mm-hmm. Clearly that's what happened here. Justin's mom, Phoebe DiPietro, actually pushed for Justin to have a relationship with his daughter. Which co- could have been good. It really could have been. Right. Like, it could have come from a couple of different perspectives. It could have been, listen, I want a granddaughter. Sure. It could have been, listen, these are the consequences of your actions. Yeah. Buck up. Right. And we soon will figure out where Phoebe's motivations lay. Yeah. In October of 2011, Trista went to inpatient rehab to get treatment for substance abuse. During this time, Ayla was set to stay with Trista's sister, Jessica Reynolds. Allegedly, Phoebe heard that Trista was getting treatment for substance abuse and was telling Justin, this is your chance. Mm. This is how you get custody of your daughter. And unfortunately, she was correct. Mm-hmm. Justin, aided by his mother, had a police officer accompany him to Jessica's home to get Ayla. Lewis and Maine police officer Charles Weaver arrived on scene with strict instructions to retrieve Ayla and give her to Justin. Ugh. Jessica opens the door and is like, um, hello, officer. How can I help you? Right. And he goes, I have orders to take Ayla. I can't imagine the fear in her face and her heart at that moment. Yeah. And she's like, oh, my God, the child's mother probably doesn't have her phone in rehab. I can't get a hold of her. Let me call our dad. Let me call me and Trista's dad. And on speaker, Trista's dad told Officer Weaver over the phone. All he said was, watch Ayla's reaction when she sees Justin. Yeah. And sure enough, Officer Weaver picks up the little girl. No problem, right? Right. Turns her around. Here you go, Justin. Here's your daughter. Ayla took one look at him and lost her shit. Yeah. Her, the officer, she, quote, freaked out. Ugh. She was kicking, screaming, yelling, no, 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 flailing. Yeah. Did not want to go with Justin, did not want anything to do with him. Ugh. And Officer Weaver was like, oh, my, floored. He was stunned. He's like, oh, my God, I can't believe that I have orders to hand over this little girl to him. Right. She doesn't want to go with him at all, but I can't go against orders. No, that's the hard part. And he even said that his orders were to take Ayla and that this was per the Department of Human Services, a.k.a. DHS, Maine's version of Child Protective Services. Yeah. Ayla was then temporarily placed in her dad's care and home, specifically by a DHS employee named Karen Small. Ayla's other relatives said a few times that Karen never did a home visit before putting Ayla in her dad's home, which is pretty 
not per protocol. That's a huge red flag. When we deal with DHS at my job, that is like one of the things that you like check off before they get sent home. Like, okay, like that's a big deal. So what's up with this fucking lady? Mm -hmm. And her whole involvement in the case is pretty suspect from the beginning because Ayla's family is saying, did you guys know that Phoebe works for the state? Yeah. What else is a state entity but DHS? Right. Hmm. It's also rumored, you know, this is alleged, but I don't know. (laughs) Phoebe knew Karen personally. Mm. And that the transfer of Ayla's care wasn't officially done through DHS. That's so skeevy. On October 11th, Justin claims that he was carrying groceries with one arm and holding Ayla in the other as they walk inside from the car. He says that he slipped and fell on top of Ayla. I have a few things wrong with this already. This man does not buy groceries, okay? Let alone carry them inside. (laughs) No way. He injured her left arm. It was visibly injured. Yeah. Did he take her to the ER? Did he? Yeah, he did. I mean, not till the next day. Oh. Oh. That's good. Her little arm was put in an air cast for a distal humerus fracture with displacement from both rotation and angulation. Ugh. And she also had a broken elbow. I've had that. Times two. I broke both my elbows at the same time, freshman year gym class. That shit hurts. That is no fucking joke. And for a little girl. A little baby. She was 20 months old. Ugh. Poor thing. The term angulation refers to a fracture after an impact occurs at an angle. Ugh. And the rotation term just means that her arm and elbow were bent too far. Ugh. But these, plus a broken elbow... It's actually extremely difficult to do. It requires a lot of force. Oh. This kind of injury itself is pretty rare, and it's usually only seen in car accidents. So Justin, you know, he's a grown man, yeah. She's 20 months old, yeah. But that impact alone really doesn't seem like it would be enough to cause that severe of an incident. Right. And also just the fact that he neglected to get her medical care until the next fucking day. Right. That's very suspect. In November, Trista was out of rehab and reported that she noticed bruises on Ayla's legs. Justin reassured her that they had had a fun day at Chuck E. Cheese and that Ayla just got a little too excited in the ball pit. As one does, you know? Little, almost toddler, playing around. Ball pit. Sure. I don't ever remember getting, like, bruises in the ball pit, though. Yeah, I know. And, and here I am thinking, you know, giving Justin the benefit of the doubt, like... You know, we already established that he probably doesn't grocery shop often. Maybe Ayla's a little on the anemic side, bruising easily. Sure. Benefit of the doubt. You know, 20 months old, probably tumbling, crawling. Clumsy. Yeah. Clumsy, you know. Yeah. Fine. Kids get bruises. Okay, great. Yep. Trista later discovered that that Chuck E. Cheese location did not even have a ball pit to begin with. Hmm. He should have maybe uh, checked that out before he came up with such an elaborate lie. Trista's last contact with Ayla was on November 21st, 2011. Mm. She filed for sole custody over her daughter at the Cumberland County District Court on December 15th. Justin was not aware of this because every time since the 21st of November that Trista had called, you know, Hey, Justin, what's up? How are you? Let me talk to Ayla. Mm -hmm. How's Ayla? Let me talk to her on the phone. Put her on the phone. Put her on FaceTime. Let me talk to her. Mm -hmm. And Justin would make up an excuse every time. She's busy. She's out with my mom. She's watching TV. She's playing. She's down for a nap. So many excuses. Trista was also alerted to the fact that Ayla was never brought in for her doctor's appointment as a follow-up. For her broken arm and elbow. That's a big red flag. Mm-hmm. On Saturday, December 17th, 2011, at roughly 8.51 a.m., 
Justin calls 911 and reports that his 20-month-old daughter is missing. He claims that he last saw his daughter about 10 hours prior when he put her to bed the night before. She had been wearing a green onesie that read Daddy's Princess across the chest. She also had her arm in a splint in a sling due to, of course, having recently broke her arm in that aforementioned, quote, accident, which we all know, I think, even just listening, hearing about how he was, I don't think that was an accident. While on the phone with police, Justin was describing the process of discovering his daughter not being in her room when suddenly the phone call ends. What? He called back a few minutes later, reporting that his cell phone died. Yeah, right. Like, what? That's so weird. Like, I know it's such a small detail, but that is so bizarre to me. I don't know. I, that just rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's almost like you realize you need some more time to get your story straight. Absolutely. Oh, whoopsie, I forgot to charge my phone. Meanwhile, you hang up on the 911 operator and you're conferring with other members of the household and then you call back. Yes. I'm I'm reaching, that's just, nothing's proven, that's my theory, but that's my theory. That's exactly what I was thinking. Absolutely. In the house with him and Ayla that night were his sister, Alicia, and her child, as well as his girlfriend, Courtney Roberts, and her child. The 911 dispatcher asked Justin if he had an exact time of when Ayla was last seen. Justin claimed that his sister, Alicia, had checked on her that night before, like after he had put her to bed. And he can be heard like on this phone call asking his sister if she could remember when she had checked on Ayla. And Alicia had said, you can hear her on the phone, she checked on Ayla at about 10 p.m. Okay, whatever. The 911 dispatcher asked Justin if it was possible if Ayla had escaped from her crib and perhaps walked through the house and maybe let herself out, got outside, got lost. Maybe, you know, it's December, it's cold, you know, perhaps. It could happen. It has happened. Mm -hmm. Um, Justin responded with, there's no way she could in that they had checked all throughout the home. I don't know. I think there's, uh, there's no way she could. Babies escape from their cribs, you know, toddlers, they get handsy, they get craftsy, they they can escape, they push their blankets up in a mound, they can climb out, they're nimble, they're toddlers, perhaps. Yeah, and honestly, if you haven't checked on her since 10 o'clock last night, mm. and it's now 8-something, almost 9 in the morning, yeah, that's a very long time for a child to maneuver their way out of their crib yeah. if they're a determined little child, even with a broken arm. Absolutely. But I think the fact that she has a broken arm doesn't help. You know, she's going to have a lot of trouble and be in a lot of pain trying to get herself out of a crib. Yeah. So it doesn't really make sense. It would make a lot of commotion. Yeah, absolutely. Especially if it was like the middle of the night, which she should be sleeping. You'd think she'd be sleeping anyway. Immediately, obviously, a massive search ensues as this precious little girl was obviously in danger. Like, no matter what, if she got out on her own or she was kidnapped, she was in danger. The Waterville police, firefighters, and game wardens were dispatched in the search. It was on. They were like, the clock is ticking, and it's we really don't have a discernible timeline. Because we have 10 p.m. last night. That's it. We could be 14 hours behind by now, or whatever. The main state police searched the Waterville home for any sort of, like, forensic evidence that may lead to, like, something more suspicious. At this point, they don't find anything. Unfortunately, the first day of searching resulted in nothing, so tensions were kind of rising, and, you know, the fear, not just for the family, but, like, around, kind of escalated. On Sunday, December 18th, FBI agents were brought in, as well as police dogs, and along with volunteers, there was a house-to-house -house search throughout the neighborhood. A search of the nearby Mesolonsky stream was done by game wardens and police, where they scoured the banks and also the entire stream, like the depths of it, to see if they could find anything, like Ayla herself, her clothes, her sling, whatever. There was also an airplane looking from above. Nothing. Couldn't find anything. The next day, Monday, December 19th, Police took two cars from the Waterville home in which Ayla was staying at. One car was registered to Justin, and the other car was registered to his girlfriend, Courtney. 
Interesting. Mm-hmm. I wonder why they had to take Car. Justin, I get. He's already a piece of shit. Courtney. Interesting. She is the girlfriend of him, so, like, I get, okay. Totally. She could know something. Absolutely. On Tuesday, the investigation continues with the draining of the Mesolonsky stream completely. There are also massive searches throughout garages and backyards in the neighborhood, as well as garbage bins. Local areas of forests and woods are also combed shoulder to shoulder. People obviously are looking hard for this little girl. It's cold outside. Days are passing. If she's outside in her little pajamas, in this cold, below freezing, I'm positive of it, temperatures, there's no way. There's just no way. The FBI child abduction rapid deployment team also comes in, which is great. And they searched all of the neighborhood and the neighborhoods nearby. But this doesn't lead to anything. On Friday, now December 23rd, Trista goes on the Today Show and very publicly blames Justin for not keeping Ayla safe. Like a responsible parent should. She calls him the fuck out. As she should. Absolutely. Who cannot account for that many hours? She's 20 months old. Yeah. She needs some kind of a frequent check. Poke your head in the door, baby monitor. Make sure that she's not in a wet diaper. Uh, Ten hours is a long time. Yeah. At this point, the whole house had been surrounded by crime scene tape, which is like, okay, now they're kind of making it known that, like, something happened here. This little girl didn't just, like, walk out. Like, this is something serious. Also, the state had brought in two of its top homicide prosecutors, to start looking into the case. So now it's starting to look even more terrible. Like, I think the police are starting to put together something that's the least desirable outcome, obviously. On Monday, December 26th, police say, finally, that they believe she was taken from her home. This was to clarify that they believe she did not leave on her own behalf, which I think we all, we all knew that. We all knew that. And now, a $30,000 reward was offered for literally any information, any information, regarding her disappearance. On Wednesday, December 28th, the huge ground search in Waterville ends. There is no sign of Ayla. Not a single, single thing that could tell anyone where she was. On December 30th, now two weeks since Ayla was last seen, the police finally announced that this is now a criminal case and they are certain that foul play is suspected. Duh. I, and you know what? The police most likely knew this the whole time, but they had to gather evidence before they could make that announcement. And they also had to cover their bases. Like, they have to go searching around the area because of what if there is any possibility that a 20-month-old girl is out wandering, toddling around in the woods, maybe fallen and hurt herself? rolled into a body of water, who knows, in the middle of December. Right. Like, they need to make sure that she's not elsewhere. Right. Absolutely. At this point, the case is turned over to the Maine State Police Major Crimes Unit, and they also got help with Massachusetts detectives, which I thought was kind of interesting. And this was to help with forensic investigations involving the Waterville home and evidence collection. So, okay, interesting. And it was over a month since Ayla's disappearance when on Saturday, January 28th, 2012, the police made a very startling announcement of something that they uh, had found in the home. State police held a press conference where they discussed the discovery of a large amount of blood found in Justin's home. Just a, just a large amount of blood. We all have a pile of blood in our homes, right? It was confirmed that more than one cup of blood was found in the basement and other bloodstains were found in other areas of the house, including next to Justin's bed. Yikes. The only other comment about the blood that was found was that it was, quote, more blood than a small cut would produce, and that there was a strong odor of bleach noted in the basement where the majority of the blood was found. Yikes. 
The next day, detectives said that Justin's sister and mom were not being truthful about the events that took place in the home. I can believe that. Yeah, so this is a group effort. Mm. Fascinating. Right. So, January 28th, they find the blood. Or they announce that they found the blood. January 29th, they confirmed that the blood did, in fact, belong to Ayla. That's horrifying. And so messed up. And that's a lot of blood for a little girl. A lot of blood for a little girl. On February 4th, police were notified of two broken windows at Justin's mummy's house. Boo. Did someone break your windows? Aww. So people clearly are catching on after the announcement that they found a shit ton of blood in this guy's house, including next to his bed, along with a strong odor of bleach in the basement where all the blood was. Huh. Interesting. I wonder what the, uh, what the possible outcome could be. And so people are enraged. Yeah. This is a little tiny baby girl. Absolutely. I probably want to smash a few windows myself. Me too. I'd join you. At this point, the police have made it public knowledge that they do not believe Ayla was abducted. So they've made it clear that it's, they believe foul play was involved in that they don't think she just walked away. And now they're saying they don't believe that Ayla was abducted. So they're very heavily implying that it was Justin or someone in the home. Of course, Justin continues to insist that she was abducted or that she walked away somehow. And whatever the story was, it had nothing to do with him. Duh. Like, duh. He's a great dada. Of course. In fact, Justin actually gave an interview to the Morning Sentinel in February of 2012. And he said that there was, quote, good reasons to believe that Ayla was kidnapped. But he never said what those reasons were. He just said that there were good reasons. Yeah. It's also important to note that at this point, both Trista and Justin have been given polygraph tests. Justin claimed in an interview that he had never been given the results of his, which probably means it found him to be lying. And then Trista said she couldn't finish hers due to a medical condition, which is hard to believe as much as we're on her side. Like, I, she's innocent in this, completely. Oh, yeah. But, like, I don't know what that means. Like, what? That's a little shady. And honestly, at that point, too, there was a lot of speculation around her as well. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of it had to do with her very recent stay in rehab. Yes. Which is unfortunate, because... Her drug addiction didn't have to do with any of this. Right. And she went to rehab to be not only a better person who was sober, but a better person who was sober for her daughter. Yes. And at this point, she had an infant son as well, not with Justin, with another person. So, she, you know, she was trying to be a better mom. And now she was grieving what turned out to be what the police thought was the loss for daughter. So... She was trying to be a better person and, you know, having her life now be in the media and being ridiculed for her drug abuse history, I I feel for her. Like, that's rough. That's rough. So in late March of 2012, Trista was regularly doing interviews and speaking out against her ex-boyfriend. She mentioned that Ayla was a toddler who needed constant attention, and she believed it was possible that Ayla's father got frustrated with her and perhaps lost his patience which I think is what happened as well. Over the course of these months and continuing into the spring, several nearby bodies of water were being emptied, diverted, searched, any sort of clue they could get. They were looking into all these bodies of water. In April of 2012, police recovered several items from the Kennebec River, although later they revealed it didn't end up being anything important. In early May of 2012, just a month later, the police drained a diversion channel of a dam that is in Waterville, and there were items removed and sent to a lab from this diversion channel, although it turned up nothing. On Thursday, May 31st, now over five months since her disappearance, the state police, as well as Waterville police, hold a press conference and announce that they have unfortunately made the conclusion that Ayla is most likely dead. They also report that the $30,000 reward for information expires on June 30th. Which is interesting because it's like... Okay, there's a deadline. Tell us the information or else you ain't getting no cash. That's crazy. It's an interesting tactic. For that press conference, Trista Reynolds' family had allowed news outlets into their home, kind of while they watched the conference to get their reaction. 
When police stated the news, Trista became understandably very upset. She burst into tears. Sure. And she also was really angry. And she shouted, quote, he fucking knew that man killed my baby. It was also revealed that Justin had purchased a life insurance policy for $25,000 on Ayla. He did not purchase one for himself or his other child that he had with another woman. Interesting. The date of the purchase was from a month before Ayla disappeared. Or, let me rephrase, was from a month before Justin reported Ayla missing. Right. Ugh, that's so messed up. Unfortunately, the investigation slowed from that conference. From that point on, tips still filtered in. And, you know, over the years, slowly and slowly, they stopped filtering in as fast. Nothing substantial really came in or made any difference up, up until today, like as we're recording, unfortunately. But people are still sending in tips and saying mm-hmm. things. But as we know, nothing's really come of it. That doesn't mean they didn't stop fighting. It's, we talked about this. It's no, okay, listen, guys. It's no secret that Ayla's dad is a shitty person. For so many reasons. And we've covered a lot of them. It's very obvious that he was hurting Ayla. Like, no doubt he was abusing her in several ways. At the very least, neglect. I mean, leaving her in her room for 10 hours, she most definitely had a wet diaper. Most definitely. Obviously, her arm was broken in a way that doesn't was not explained by a fall. No, no way. There's no way. And he kept coming up with stupid stories. He wouldn't let, you know, his her mom talk to her on the phone and all this stuff. So it wasn't really a surprise when Justin had a court date in September of 2013 for domestic violence. That didn't really, like, shock anyone because, you know, he's kind of a sucky guy. Apparently on July 6, 2013, Justin was charged with domestic violence assault after grabbing and pushing his former girlfriend, Courtney Roberts. This is the same girlfriend that was at the Waterville home the night Ayla disappeared. My thoughts, I'm sure everyone's probably thinking this, could she have maybe threatened her ex-boyfriend with revealing details about Ayla and her disappearance or something like that? Maybe he lost shit on her because she threatened him, who knows? But anyway, he got charged with domestic violence and he was brought to court with it. Rightfully so, because he's a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. When Justin was at court with Courtney in late September, Trista was waiting. Oh. She confronted both him and Phoebe, Justin's mother. Remember her? Mm. Ah, uh, yes. She was accompanying her domestic abuser of a son to court. Mm. Huh. When Trista confronted him and Phoebe, Phoebe had the fucking nerve to accuse Trista of hiding Ayla. I can't even. This woman is a psycho. And this is on video. Yeah. Trista is there, wait, calmly waiting. Mm -hmm. And then she sees Justin and Phoebe and she gets up and she's mad. You know, where's my daughter? What have you done with her? And then Phoebe's getting right in her face. You're hiding her and you're trying to get us in trouble. And we know that you're responsible and you're hiding her. So ridiculous. Sometimes when people make accusations, they are accusations that they themselves are guilty of. Right. Just throwing that out there. Just my train of thought here. Almost like you smelt it, you dealt it. Yep. To put it so basically and so crudely. Really. On June 25th, 2015, the body of an unidentified toddler, soon called Baby Doe, was found in a trash bag dead on the shore of Deer Island in Massachusetts. Baby Doe was initially thought to be Ava Reynolds, but facial features and hair and eye color did not match. And as we know, Baby Doe was later determined to be Bella Bond, which is another horrific case we covered back on our seventh episode. All the way back, episode seven. On May 17th, 2017, Ayla was declared dead by the state of Maine at Triss's request. After the declaration, a news team went back to Justin's mom's house to discuss this with their family. When confronted in the driveway, Justin's sister Alicia told reporters that she, quote, refused to believe that her niece was dead and that her family had nothing to do with Ayla's disappearance. Phoebe, Justin's mama, (laughs) as well as Ayla's grandmother, accused the media of wanting to convict them. 
Meanwhile, you know, the media is there confronting the family. Okay, Alicia, what are your thoughts? Alicia, Alicia, mm -hmm. what do you think? Phoebe, Phoebe, what do you think about the, the declaration? Oh, hey, by the way, where's Justin? Can we get a statement from him? And the family's like, ah, he's at the grocery store. Oh, he's at the gym. He's around here somewhere. I don't know. <laughs> it was later determined that he had fled the state. And after a few months after this ruling mm. of Ayla being declared dead, he was tracked down in California. Yeah, that pussy hightailed it all the way across the country. All the way. Does that scream innocent to you, Liz? No. No, it does not, Katie. Not even a little. Because innocent people stay where they are. Yeah, no. This guy's guilty as sin. Once Ayla was declared legally dead, Trista filed a wrongful death lawsuit against Justin, which honestly was a genius move. She really pushed to have Ayla declared legally dead because that was the only way she was going to get at Justin. It was the only way, considering it was looking like they were not going to find Ayla. And she had to get at Justin somehow. For any kind of answer, for any kind of justice, this was how she had to do it. And I think that was absolutely right. Yeah, and she actually filed the suit on December 17th, 2018, which was the seven-year anniversary of her daughter's disappearance. Ugh, that's heartbreaking. The lawsuit accused him of causing Ayla's death through, quote, intentional wrongful actions, and said that he subjected Ayla to pre-death pain, fright, terror, and physical injuries. Trista stated, quote, I wonder if this is haunting you, Justin. I wonder if our daughter haunts your dreams or if you see her blue eyes when you close your eyes at night. I wonder if you even think about that night, that night that you murdered her. Oh, what a badass bitch. Nice. Very recently, on February 22nd, 2022, Trista sought to amend and expand the wrongful death suit against Justin because of newly discovered evidence and she expanded the suit to include Phoebe and Alicia. Nice. The suit was expanded because it was Phoebe's home, and Alicia was there on the night that Ayla went missing. I think that was appropriate. I think that was more than appropriate. Absolutely. Attorney William Childs reported that Trista requested the complaint be amended now that they have the reports and photographs from the Office of the Maine Attorney General and Maine State Police. William said that his office had an expert review and go over the evidence in a report that showed, quote, the distribution of bloodstains of Ayla's blood and evidence that a person or persons attempted to clean up Ayla's blood before investigating authorities arrived to document the scene. Mm. The report also mentioned that there were multiple bloodstains found throughout the home in addition to the main bloodstain found in the basement and another one by Justin's bed, as we previously discussed. Mm. If the amended complaint is approved, because again, this was in February of 2022, mm. we don't know the result of this yet. But if it's approved, then Justin, his sister, and his mom would all face civil counts of wrongful death, conscious pain and suffering, and wrongful interference with the body of a deceased person. Nice. Phoebe DiPietro would face an additional count of premises liability, and Justin would also face a count of breach of parents' duty to care for a minor child. Good. Get their asses. Absolutely. In reference to the experts' reports from the evidence, Justin's bitch-ass lawyer, Michael Waxman, stated in an email, quote, This expert reminds me of a little of Professor Hinkle from Frosty the Snowman, except that he's being paid a heck of a lot of money, I believe, to try and pull a rabbit out of a hat. Apparently, he can see things that all of the main detectives and forensic scientists cannot in over 10 years. Wow. So he's saying that all of that evidence is bullshit. Wow. Michael Waxman also said that the blood and DNA found in the home was from when Ayla was sick, stating, quote, Apparently, it's not uncommon that if a child or a person is vomiting repeatedly for some blood to be in the vomit. That's the only explanation I'm aware of. Um, this guy's a lawyer. Yeah, he's not a, yeah, he's a lawyer. Obviously, cuz he's clearly doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. If you're vomiting blood, listeners, go to the hospital. Nobody you should not be vomiting blood ever, especially a child. No, that's not normal ever. Not once, not now, not ever. 
listen, we get a lot of flack on here from people who get mad at us for talking about healthcare and we say that we're healthcare workers and we do this as a hobby outside of our main jobs. But Liz and I are both registered nurses, so we are able to comment on this and say again that if you are vomiting to the point of vomiting blood, go to the hospital. It's not normal ever. Ever. So that's not an excuse. That's not a good way. This guy probably thought he was being so cool and so good. He'd like, yeah, I wiped that guy. Yeah, that was good. I just totally floored them. That was, I nailed that one. No, you idiot. That doesn't explain anything. That doesn't clean up any story. And as we established, the police said that there was over a cup of blood. It's a lot of blood. That's a lot of blood. To be vomiting, to be mixed in vomit. You know how much blood, like, the average woman menstruates on her, like, a period? It's like a teaspoon. That's so great that, no, no. A little 20-month-old girl is not vomiting a cup of blood there's no way this is so bullshit unbelievable no way uh-huh no way tristan now lives in portland maine with her two sons she says that ayla loved the color pink and they honor her by shining a pink light on their porch every night of the year as well as 24 hours a day throughout the month of december for the anniversary of her disappearance mm. because of this some local hardware stores in the portland area also carry pink lights and some neighborhoods display them in their memory, especially during the holidays. Mm. A lot of people have voiced frustration at how this case was handled from the beginning. It was treated initially as a missing persons case, despite the large amount of blood found inside the home. And some people feel like it being handled like a missing persons case pointed it from a different perspective when it should have been looked at as a possible homicide from the start. Mm. I feel like initially they had to treat it as a missing persons case, especially because he reported her missing. Like, you right. really want to make sure that, like we said before, mm-hmm. a 20-month-old isn't down, laying in the woods, unable to get up or fend for herself. Right. But I do think that, yeah, maybe it could have been classified as a homicide a bit sooner. Yeah, I think you're right. This case was the largest criminal investigation in Maine's history and the third largest search for a missing child in the state's history. State police continue to welcome any tips or information and ask that anyone with any information on the disappearance of Ayla Reynolds, please call 1-800-452-4664 or 207-624-7076. You can also leave an anonymous tip on the Maine State Police website at maine.gov. And that is the insane story of the disappearance of Ayla Reynolds, but really most likely the murder of Ayla Reynolds at the hands of her her father, Justin DiPietro. Terrible stuff. Terrible. I just feel like so many people failed her. So many people. Her grandmother, Mm -hmm. who I think truly pushed Justin to try and get custody of this baby so she could have a granddaughter. Right. Right. And Justin didn't want to be a father. So I would assume that if he didn't want that role in the first place, he was not prepared mentally, physically, emotionally. No. So his frustration tolerance was probably very low. Yeah. And also, Karen Small, I didn't forget about you. Right. The DHS worker. Yeah. That schemed a little, I mean, allegedly. Right. But allegedly schemed her a little way, maybe friends with Phoebe. Right. Crazy. Yeah. Like, DHS. DHS is putting a child in the hands of the man responsible for her murder. Absolutely. This is why it gets such a bad rap because there's little snakes that work in places like that, even in healthcare, even in schools. You know, there's always going to be little snakes that are not doing the job they're supposed to be doing and causing harm. Absolutely. But that is why government agencies like that get a bad rap because sometimes they don't even just drop the ball. They drop kick it in the wrong fucking direction. Yes, absolutely. And then I think too, that Ayla was long gone before the 17th, before he reported her missing. What are you talking about that? Ayla's not going to answer the phone because she's playing. She's watching TV, watching TV. What? Her mother wants to talk to her. She's 20 months old. Get her away from the TV so she can talk to her mama. Like, come on. And missing her follow-up appointment for her doctor's appointment, like for her broken arm and elbow that you did, Justin, whether it was an accident or not. That's messed up. She was 
gone before he even thought to report her missing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would bet money. What other explanation is there? I bet you she was gone, whether at least days before he called. At least days, maybe as much as weeks. Yeah, absolutely. Despicable. Heartbreaking. And it still blows my mind that there are theories and conspiracies that Trista is responsible in some way. I, I, go back and listen to all of the episode, I guess. I know. If you are someone that is a conspiracy theorist and thinks that Trista is the one responsible. Absolutely not. Team Trista over here. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Also, she looks like someone I worked with at PetSmart, so my heart is like, no. No, no, no. <laughs> and I always sympathize with people who are struggling with drug addiction. She just wanted to get herself better for her babies. Like, come on. She was in rehab when Ayla went missing. Like, stop. Oh, I can't even imagine losing your child, period. But then losing your child and then having to go on national TV and be like, yeah, it was Justin. Right. And like, fight for your daughter after all these years. Right. I am look going to be looking for updates on that wrongful suit, man. I, yeah. ooh. Yeah. I hope she wins. I do too. She should. Because she's right. She's right. Yeah. Yeah. And Phoebe and Alicia. Ooh. They, ooh. There's blood on your hands too, girlfriends. They are in trouble. Yeah. And guys... As always, we want to know what you think, especially about this case, because it's so messy and has so many moving parts. You can find us on Instagram at truecrimeny. Oh, lowercase. Or you can send us an email at truecrimeny at gmail.com. We also, of course, have a website. You can go to truecrimeny.com and go to our contact page and use our handy-dandy website submission tool. You can leave your name if you so choose. Be anonymous if you so choose. But we would love to hear from you whether you have ideas for cases for us to cover in the future. Questions, comments, concerns, thoughts. Please, thoughts on this case, other cases we've done, maybe episode seven, Bella Bond. There was a little bit of a question, you know, maybe this is Ayla Reynolds. We mentioned that, I think, in that episode. Mm -hmm. It is our seventh one, so it's way, way, way back, maybe still a little rough. Um... But yeah, let us know your thoughts, guys. Seriously. Absolutely. And uh, with that, we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.